Uh, we're going to be in Psalms 39 tonight. Uh, we're probably going to go through uh, Psalms 40. And then after Psalms uh, 40, we may take a break just for a little while. And I've uh, uh, been talking with some people. I think we may do some uh, uh, a few topical studies for just a little while and then go back to uh, go back to Psalms. Um, this psalm is entitled uh, to the chief musician. That's what many of the psalms of David is entitled. As we said before, uh, uh, this could mean a number of things. Uh, many believe it, uh, David's speaking of God, who is the chief musician that he's directing uh, these psalms to. But it also says to uh, Jedithan. And Jedithan, uh, of course, is mentioned in the title of Psalm 62, of Psalm 77 also. And he was one of the uh, uh, musicians that was appointed by David to lead uh, Israel's worship. Uh, we can learn about him in First Chronicles or all that's said about him anyway. Um, but this psalm here, um, it's one that's uh, a little bit different than the other psalms because David has kind of a pattern of how he, you know, he cries out to God, he talks about things, and then he comes to a, a pretty good place at the end, and he kind of does in this one, but uh, this one kind of ends uh, in, a, in a pretty real place. Uh, David is still crying out to God. He's still in a, a very weak point in his life, I believe. Uh, and I think this psalm also ties in with Psalms 38. Uh, there's some references that he makes to that. Um, but let's look. Uh, it's, it's a pretty short psalm, uh, but there's a lot that's packed in it. Uh, verses 1 through 3. He said, I said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle, while the wicked are before me. I was mute with silence. I held my peace even from good, and my sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned, then I spoke with my tongue. And we're going to see in the next few verses what he actually spoke with his tongue. But notice what he says here. He says first, he said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. I will restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. He said, I will guard my ways, lest I sin with my tongue. Do you think that's possible to sin with your tongue? <laughs> yeah, it is. And you see here what, what David is, is, is getting at. He says, especially while the wicked are before me. He said, I'm going to control what I say when the wicked are in my presence. And I think there's a couple of ways we could, uh, uh, I think, read this. And I, I believe it would be kind of the same either way. The same point would be made. One is, David may be afraid what he says. That he says something wrong, especially in front of the wicked. Because David's not in a very good place here. Have you ever been in a, a, a place in your life where you're just distressed, you're, you're down, and David's going to go in and he's going to explain that he, he just feels like uh, uh, God's got a hold of him and, and he knows that God is part of this and, and he's kind of being um, chastised, if you will. And in that moment... Uh, David just feels like he needs to hold his tongue because he may not say something that's going to be right. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like, you know, I just need to really bite my tongue here because the way I'm feeling inside, it's not going to be good if that comes out. Well, if that's it, David, one, doesn't want to do that, but he doesn't want to do that in front of the wicked. Why do you think he doesn't want to do that in front of the wicked? Yeah, 
I mean, I, the world out there is just waiting for a Christian to mess up, aren't they? They're just waiting for them to go through a bad situation. I think the world is waiting for us to be faced with something. And how we handle that makes a difference, doesn't it? David even says here uh, that he said, I held my peace even from good. David said, I think the best thing for me to do is not even say anything here. Now David going through this, and here's the thing. when We, we all go through something in our lives, but how we handle what we go through, that can actually make it worse, can it? We can go through something that... that uh, we may even be right in or we can go through something that we feel distressed and we feel heartache and we feel a lot of this and we have a lot of emotions to where we just want to just just lash out and, and do something. One, we may feel that we're right or and we may be. You know, David, he, he talks about several times in Psalms that, that the wicked say this about him and it's not true and he talks about those feelings that he has and I think this carries over into this Psalms also to where he says, I, I'm just not going to say anything in front of the wicked because the wicked are watching this. And if they watch this, what are they going to see? What are they going to say? As, as Jimmy said, I think they'll use it as ammunition, won't they? And I think sometimes we, we want to do that. We're, we're not immune to how we feel. We're not immune to when, when something happens to us in this life that we want to lash out and do something. I think that's what happens to Christians sometimes is we may be in a situation to where we're, uh, we're upset or we're you know, distressed and we may be handling it right. We may be just going through all these doubts and all these things in our mind and, and we're okay until we start lashing out or start saying something. That's when it becomes a problem. That's when it becomes a sin. That's when it becomes a, a, a stumbling block to those that are around us. That's when the wicked has that ammunition. So David could be saying, okay, if I say something, I may just say something that's not that I shouldn't be saying, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut because I don't want to do this in front of them. Or it could be while David's going through this and he's expressing his concern for what he's going through. He, he's verbalizing how he's feeling that the wicked may misunderstand what he's saying and think that he's criticizing God. That, that very much could be it. Because there's sometimes that, in, you know, as a Christian, we have to kind of, you know, unpack a lot of things and, and try to figure out why we're going through what we're going through. And sometimes we can't figure out and it's hard. David here, through this psalm, starts expressing what he's feeling, what he's going through. Because and, 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 when he finally speaks, he actually speaks to God. You know, he's very bold to God of what he said. So it could be either way here. But I think either way, David either thinks that he's going to say something that's wrong or he's going to say something that someone's going to misunderstand. Either way, he says the outcome's not going to be good. Even if he speaks something good, with what he's doing, it still could be misunderstood because he says here, I held my peace even from good. You know, if you go back to Psalms 38, he said, I was mute uh, uh, in front of my enemies. He says, when they were, were, were saying I did this and I, they were accusing me of all this, he said, I didn't say a word. And he's kind of saying that here. He says, I'm not saying anything in front of the wicked, but it's for a different reason. He, he, it's not that he doesn't want to defend himself. It's the fact that he's afraid that his uh, uh, enemies are either going to misunderstand what he says or he's going to say something that he shouldn't and it gives the enemy the wrong impression anyway. So he says, it, it's best for me not to even say anything. Um, 
Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever felt like that? Do we do what David does and keep our mouth shut, or do we say it anyway? You know, you ever been frustrated as a Christian? You, you ever just been, been frustrated and, and think, you know, I, look at all of this that's happening. I can't believe that this, is, this is, is going on with me. Matter of fact, David wants to say it. You know, he goes on to say that, uh, you know, it, it, it's just burning up inside of him. But he says in this moment, he's not going to say it. He's going to have some self-control. He's going to have a, 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 a sense of, of understanding around him that it's best he just be quiet for the moment. Uh, and I tell you, uh, I need to have this on my refrigerator because <laughs> uh, usually, I, you know, it's, it, it's hard to keep your mouth shut, isn't it? It is for me. I, I love to talk. So, you know, and, and I get my words misunderstood a lot because what happens between my brain and my mouth, sometimes there's a disconnection uh, and it doesn't come out exactly like I think it does. So it can be misunderstood. Uh, I've had conversations with individuals before and, and, and trying to work through something. Um, I, I've actually said this to somebody before. I said, you know, I, I've been in a group with maybe a couple people just talking about something about Scripture. And I said, this is one of those things you can't say uh, like in an auditorium when you're teaching. When you're trying to work through it and you're trying to talk because somebody can misunderstand. Somebody could say, well, he's taking it this way or he's taking it this way. When you may not be, you're just trying to work it out in your head. I kind of think that's what David means here. I think David means while he's working all of these emotions out and if he verbally expresses them, somebody's going to misunderstand what he's saying. Uh, they're going to take it as criticism to God. They're going to take it as a lack of faith on his part. Uh, it, it's just David is struggling. This is a weak time in David's life. And you think about all the things that David faces, it seems like his internal struggles uh, seems to be the hardest on him. Uh, you know, just like Job, with all the physical things that he faced, I think the hardest thing that he faced was that emotional battle inside of him of trying to figure out why. And David here is the same way. Notice again what he says, I will guard my ways. He's, he's got enough frame of mind to say that. He said, lest I sin with my tongue. Now, if he says something while he's verbalizing... And somebody misunderstood it. Would that be a sin on David's part? So does that mean it's the other way that David's just going to say something wrong? He's going to come off with some curse words, or he's going to come off hate, you know, with hatred or something? Uh, I think in David's emotional state, I think he can say things that uh, I think could be a sin to him, even if he just verbalizes it in, in front of those who could take it the wrong way. And here's here's why I think that. I think that because a Christian is supposed to, we're supposed to be in control of ourselves, aren't we? So when we're going through these things, we need to be aware, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is walking around like a roaring lion who may, he may devour. I think that's one way he devours. Uh, you get a group of, of, of wicked individuals that's, that are just, that's out in the world, the wicked's the world, and, and you get these individuals, and as a Christian... There's things that, um, there's things, and, and John talked about this, I think it was Sunday, he said something about it, you know, churches don't want to, don't need to air their dirty laundry, or when Christians are going through things, or if you're going through something as a family, you handle that within a family. I think there's something to that, because every, every Christian struggles, every congregation struggles, 
But when we struggle and it becomes a, a, a public thing and we just fuel it with fire and, and we just start expressing how we feel, we start doing the things that we feel, that's where it becomes wrong because the world's watching that. They see us how we're going to handle those things in those moments. They see it as, a, as individuals. They see it as a congregation. They see it as a church as a whole. They're just waiting for that. And if we give them fuel to that, then that's where we become in the wrong. We've got to make sure that we, we be sober-minded, we're vigilant, we're, we're thinking about those things. And I think that's what David's doing here. He, he's thinking about this. He said, I was mute. He said, I held my peace even from good. My sorrow was stirred up. My heart was hot within me. He said, I wanted to say something. I, I, I wanted to do it. He said, while I was musing. Musing here is, a, is deep contemplation. It, it's deep thought. He said, while I was in this deep thought, he said, my heart was hot within me. There was a fire that burned. You ever just been where you're like, I, I want to say it, but I, just, I need to hold my tongue. I, I, I just need to not say it. Because it wouldn't be profitable. It, it wouldn't help. It wouldn't bring glory to God. And I think that's what David is worried about. If he expresses how he feels, because it's, it's not wrong to feel a certain way. It's not wrong to go through these emotions. But where it becomes wrong when we start expressing these things to the world and they're looking, you're supposed to be a child of God. You're not supposed to worry about this. You're not supposed to be upset about this and start, you know, doubting your faith. Well, it's not doubting their faith. It may just be upset with the situation and just need to get it out. You know, Jeremiah even talked about that when it was about the Scriptures. He said, I had it contained within me and I could not contain myself, Jeremiah said. I, I have to say it. But David had enough sense here and enough self-control uh, that he didn't. Any thoughts about this? Anything? Nothing? Okay. But notice, he says here, he says, Then I spoke. Okay. He says it's burning up in his heart. He said he, he's got this fire burning. So when he starts expressing this, guess what he does? He doesn't express it to mankind. He doesn't express it to the wicked. He doesn't express it to the world. He doesn't express it to those around him. He expresses it to God. And isn't that what we should do? Notice what he does here. He says here at the end of verse 3, he says, Then I spoke with my tongue... Starting at verse 4, he said, here's what it said. Lord, make me to know my end, and at what is the measure of my days, that I may know how frail I am. Indeed, you, are made, you have made my days as hand breath, and my age is as nothing before you. Certainly every man at his best state is but vapor. Salah. Surely every man walks about like a shadow, Surely they busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. So here's, here's what David does. He's got all of these emotions. He's got all of these thoughts. And he said, he said I kept silent. He said, I didn't say anything in front of the wicked. And he says, then here's what I, my tongue does. Here's, here's what I, I say with my tongue. And he starts talking to God. And here's what he says to God. He says, in all of this, all this that I'm worried about, all this that I'm thinking about, he says, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. So all this that he may be worried about, all this that he's upset about, uh, he says, I need to be thinking about how frail life is and how quick it is. This world isn't it. it, it it's frail. He says, it's, it's just a vapor. He said, certainly man at his best state 
is just a vapor. And he's got Salah here. And Salah in the Hebrew, I think it's used some, uh, I don't know, 74 times, I believe they say it in uh, uh, the Old Testament. And it's, it's like a, uh, a pause or a, or a musical interlude where, you know, it, 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 it's a place to, to kind of stop for a moment in, in what you're doing. And I think this is a great place for this. David is saying it's time to just stop and think about our life. The things we're getting upset about, the things we think somebody does to us, what's happening around us, the things that we think we have to achieve, at the end they don't mean anything. Uh, what, what is life? It, it, it's but a vapor. Even man in his very best state is but a vapor. It, it, it's just for a little bit of time. He says, you have made my days as a handbread. Now, I, I don't believe David here is saying to God when he says, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days. I don't think he's saying to God, um, God, tell me exactly when I'm going to die. I don't, I don't believe that's what David is wanting, an expiration date for himself. I think what he's saying here, make me to know my end and what the measure of my days that I may know how frail I am. He's saying, help me to, to keep in focus that this isn't it. My days are going to come to an end. I'm dying every single day. I mean, we all are, aren't we? It's not about what this life is. It's about what the next. Notice he says here again, certainly man's every man at his best is but a vapor. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Uh, this world, here's what David is realizing. This world is the shadow. Heaven, the, the eternity is what the reality is. This world is just a shadow. This, this isn't what it is. He said, I'm just a sojourner here, as he's going to go on to say. Uh, it, it's not about what's here. It's about what's there. So help me to realize the end of my days and how frail I am, that even at my best, even at my best, Life is a vapor. And you think about the man who's saying this. All that David was, his lineage, his, his accomplishment, he's a great warrior, he's a king, he beat Goliath, he did all of these great things, they sung his praises. But he said, what I need to be thinking about is how frail life is. That this isn't all that there is. That there's more than what this is. This isn't it. And I think that's, that's what happens. We get caught up now. Let's couple this with, with the first few verses we read. David is in the middle of, of anguish and he's got all these thoughts and he's got all these emotions and he's trying to contain himself uh, that he don't speak these things in front of the wicked. And then when he does speak, he says, you know, what really matters is what's to come. The thing I'm getting all worked up about here shouldn't got worked up about to start with. I mean, think about it. Even if David's enemies kill him, is that the worst of it? I mean, if you worry about all of this that, that's going on, he says, even man at the, his best state, he said it's, it's like a hand breath. A hand breath is, is the measurement, Hebrew measurement for the size of your hand. It's nothing. It's, 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 it's just this quick. I'll give you James. Notice what James actually said this. And James, uh, he says, Come now, ye who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. 
For what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. So James saying, you, you've got all these plans, but are you sure you're going to be able to accomplish them? It's good to plan, but if you're boasting on those plans, look at what I'm going to do, look at what I'm going to accomplish. It's like the one who says, I'll build bigger barns. Well, fool, what if your souls require you? Then who are they going to be? What, what do you have? If you gain the whole world and lose your soul, what do you have? If, if that's what you're, you're, you're thinking about. Now, as David says here, he says it's, it's, it's nothing but uh, a shadow that surely we vi uh, busy ourselves in vain. Almost sounds like Ecclesiastes, the latter part of Ecclesiastes, don't it? Uh, you reckon David ever had a conversation with his son Solomon about this? Reckon that's why Solomon said the things that he did? You know, you, you, you think about these things that we, we busy ourselves with. We can do this in the world. We can do this in the church. We, we can get caught up with just the busy stuff that we forget about what's really important. It's just about doing things. It's just about doing things. You've got to stay busy. People's going to get bored. You've got to stay busy. In our regular lives, we've got to stay busy. We've got to do all of these things to achieve what I want to achieve. I've got to keep climbing and keep climbing and keep climbing. In the church, I've got to keep doing and keep doing and keep doing. When we don't, when we don't stop and just think about why we're doing it. What's the point of doing it? What, what does it really bring to us? What Does it make us better? Or does it take us farther away from God? When it comes to our family, if all we're thinking about is our job and what we can accomplish, what does that do to our family? When we think about in the church that it's just about doing things, does that bring us closer to God or does it bring us farther away from God? Now, it's, it's not wrong to do things, but we can get busy doing so much things that we forget what's really important. I'll I tell you what really got me thinking about this. We did a class that's been... I don't even know how long it was ago now in the other building on uh, raising godly children. And while we did this, uh, did a little assignment with it that you, you, you mark down everything that you do from the time that you wake up to the time that you go to bed. And in doing that, what all do you do? What do you accomplish? Where is the time that you actually teach your children? It could be in the car, riding to a ball game. I mean, there's a lot of ways you could do it. But it really made me realize I do a lot of stuff during the day. Makes it sound real good, don't it? Well, I, I, I do a lot of things, but I accomplish not that much. You know, I, I do a lot of busy stuff. But I, I think what, what was really important, if I marked off sections of my day, did, did that make a difference? Did I glorify God in those moments? Did I make a difference in someone's life in that moment? Did I do something worthwhile to help me get closer to God, to help my family get closer to God? And I tell you, it's a real eye-opener. And I... Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's not about... Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, there, and and that and that taught me something too. There's there's moments in that that you can take advantage of to do the right thing, and you are you can do the right thing. Now, 
I think I do a good job at the work that I do. I realize that a lot of times I do a lot of fussing and complaining during it, you know, if it's not done right around me that I think it ought to be. And I think back, well, what did that really matter? You know, everybody doing their own job. Yeah. Yeah. No. Even though it's the better opinion, you still can't put it on somebody else, right? That's what we all think. It's, it's our opinion, so we think it's the better. You're going to have to say that again. I'm sorry. Facts don't care about your feelings. That's, that's good. That's good. But we got to be careful to not get into uh, just the busyness of the world. Because, uh, again, as he says here, it's just a shadow. And, and there's things that we busy ourselves in, in vain. You know, just because we think we've, we've got to do it. And I, I see this a lot just in, uh, I say a lot, we, we can get into this habit in a lot of things that we do, even within the church. You know, I, I've even heard uh, individuals that I've talked to over the years, you know, you, you'd be talking to somebody, and, oh, you, 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 we've got to stay busy, we've got to do this, we've got, you know, we've got to do that. Well, what's the, I was reading something one time, a book, and... Uh, I don't read that much when it comes to that, but this particular book I was reading, and it was interesting because it said, what if we took everything that we did in a congregation and just set it aside and started back with a blank slate and took the Bible and, and, and brought back each one and, and looked at it and said, one, do we have the example for it? Are we supposed to do it? Do we have the command? All of those things and, and see what each one of them, the purpose of doing them is. And add back each one and really see the purpose. I wonder what we'd find when it comes to that. With everything that we do, do we plan it or do it with a purpose in mind? How is this going to bring us closer together? How is this going to bring us... You know, I, and, I, and I'm not downing doing things because I think there's a lot of things in the congregation and I'm a big fan of doing things that bring us closer together because I think fellowship is a big part uh, of growing together but growing closer to God but we look at each one and, and, and try to ask ourselves why do we do this David here is saying you know you look at all the things that he did and even go back to Ecclesiastes you know he said it's all vanity of vanities when you really think about some of the things that we're out in the world just striving for and David says here I, I, when he finally opens his mouth and he finally starts venting what he vents is let me see the frailty of my life let me see the end of my days. Let me understand what my purpose is here and what I'm trying to achieve. This world is just a shadow. This world is not the reality. This world is not what there is. It's the next one that I'm going for. That's my reality. That, that's what I'm striving for as a Christian. And, and as he says this, as he goes through, uh, he says that, that sometimes all we do is just worry about the shadow part. Now think about a shadow. Uh, I looked up different things about shadow in general because David says a lot through the Psalms about shadows. And you think about a shadow. Is a shadow a real thing? Can you see it? Yeah. Does it have any substance at all? doesn't have any substance to it. It's there. It's, 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 kind of, it, it's not really you. It's, it's something of you, but it doesn't have any substance. I think that's kind of what David is saying here. This world is, is not... The end-all, end-all. As Paul even said, if this is it, 
we're to be pitied if this is all that there is. There's, there's, there's got to be something else. There, there's more to it. And that's what each Christian, that, I think that's what really separates us from the world. We're set apart because we're not part of this world. We're not part of that shadow. Even David says, I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. And he said, but you're with me. And that's what we need to understand, that God's with us. And that's what David is going to go on to say. Any thoughts or comments about this? Let's go a little bit farther. Uh, what were we on, seven? It says, and now, Lord, what do I wait for? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make me the reproach of the foolish. I was mute. I did not open my mouth because it was you who did it. Remove your plague from me. I am consumed uh, by the blow of your hand. When with rebukes, uh, when with rebuke, you correct man for iniquity. You make his beauty melt away like a moth. Surely every man is vapor. Salah. Again, another pause, another reference to, to our life being vapor. Here's why I believe David didn't want to say anything. It wasn't necessarily that he was going to say just start ranting and cuss words and, and things like this. This is why I think David didn't want to vent what he was going through in front of the wicked because right here what he says. And he starts talking to God. Notice what he says. Lord, uh, what do I wait for? My hope is you. He's saying, okay, before I say this, let me realize, and, and, and I'm, I'm expressing to you, God, my hope is in you. If it wasn't for that hope, I wouldn't have anything. So he makes that clear from the start. He said, deliver me from all my transgressions. Do not make the reproach, me the reproach of the futilist. I was mute. Do not open my mouth because it was you who did it. Who's David struggling with here? David's struggling with what's going on in his life because he's struggling with God. He, he, he's struggling because he's saying, God... This is because of you that I'm going through this, that I'm having such this. David's realizing he's under a rebuke state here. That everything that's coming is, is because of God's rebuke. Uh, this is like Job, but a little different. Job was blaming God because he didn't see any other reason that this was happening other than God was doing this to him and he couldn't understand why. David realizes, okay, this is happening with God he understands why. He just wants to vent about it. You know, and he even goes on here in a little bit and tells God, okay, turn your gaze from me for a little while so I can regain my strength. So David realizes it, but he knew it wouldn't be prudent. He knew it wouldn't be right to vent that to the world. He, he's struggling with everything that's going on in his life, and he's struggling because he knows it's a, a, a rebuke and a chastise from God is what he's feeling, and he don't want to vent that to the world. He said that, that would be wrong. It would be wrong for me to vent that to the world. So I'm going to vent it to you. He, he's open and honest as he could be with God. Now, isn't that the way it should be done? You ever doubted? You ever struggled? You ever, you know, just wanted to have a conversation? That's what I like about these songs. David doesn't do some cookie-cutter prayer. He doesn't do some, you know, uh, guard, guide, and direct prayer here. David's talking to God, and here's what I'm going through. Here's what's happening to me. And God, I know you're doing it. Just, just you know, have, have mercy on me while you do it. I, I understand that I need it, but just turn your gaze from me a little bit and, and let me regain my strength here. 
I mean, do we talk to God like that? Do we have that kind of relationship that we can just be open and honest with? He knows what we're thinking anyway, doesn't he? He knows what we're going through. Pauline said that he, he understands even when we can't put it in words, God knows what, we're, what we need and what we want and what we're going through. So he already knows anyway. Sometimes we just need to say it out loud. You ever just had to go out in the yard sometimes and just scream? You ever just had, ever had to do that? You know, you just, it, this, you get, okay, I'm just going to walk off and I'm just going to have to, you know, do this. You know, I think about this. When I first read this, I, I, I thought about how, uh, oh, you're in here tonight, ain't you, Hannah? Sorry. Uh, how, you know, Hannah used to try to tell Brett, okay, if you get upset with the parents, you're not doing it right. That's why Brett got in so much trouble. She would verbalize it to us sometimes, and that'd get her in a little more trouble. Hannah would just, okay, yeah, fine, and go up to her room and verbalize it to the wall. You know, she'd just get her ventilation out, uh, or vented out to the wall so she wouldn't get in more trouble. You know, and I, and I was thinking about this when I was reading this about David. That's kind of what David's doing. I, okay, I need to be saying this, but that's going to get me in more trouble, so I, I am just going to say it to God. I'm, I'm going to just work this out like I'm supposed to. You know, and, and I think that's, that's the kind of approach we need, need to do. You know, there's, there, I mean, there's nothing wrong with needing to vent. You know, we're, 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 we're going to be unhappy at times. It doesn't mean when, when James talked about counting all joy when you fall into various trials and trouble. It doesn't mean I have a smile on my face and say, yep, keep it up. David never says this. When David, you know, talks about his enemies, he doesn't say, I really pray, God, that they accomplish what they want to do against me. You know, he, he's not happy about it, but he's expressing it to God like, like he should, isn't he? You know, he, he, he's just telling, he, he, he's just expressing this out and understand, because even here he acknowledges, he said, deliver me from all my transgressions. He knows this is the purpose of it. David knows he's not perfect. He knows he's, he's not self-righteous to say, you know, hey, I'm perfect, you shouldn't be doing this to me. Now, Job had reason. He, he, he didn't mean he was perfect, but he knew there shouldn't been a reason for him to go through what he went through. He had to learn this life's not fair. David here is learning, okay, there's, I, I know this is what I need. He's just asking God, just don't make it so hard. And there's times I don't understand it. There's times I just want to just vent it out when it's happening to me. But I'm not going to do it to the world. I'm not going to do it to the wicked so it, can, it will cause harm to God. It won't bring uh, glory to him. He said, I did not open my mouth because you did it. He said, remove your plague from me. I am consumed by the blow of your hand. When with rebuke you correct man for iniquity, you make its beauty melt away like a moth. He said, surely every man is a vapor. He said, God, I know what your ability is. I know what you can do to us. He said, uh, just don't make it to where... Uh, don't make me the reproach of the foolish. Don't, 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 don't put it to where... David don't want to be in a situation to where other people see his struggle with his faith. His struggle with the problems that he's going through. And, and, and sometimes that, that's hard to do. And I think that's why we need to be there for each other so uh, we don't have to vent, vent our things out to the world. Notice 12 and 13 here. And here's how he ends it. He says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner, as all my fathers were. Remove your gaze from me that I may regain strength uh, 
before I go away and am no more. Uh, several things David is saying here. He, he doesn't, uh, he's still pleading with God here at the end, and it just shows the reality of things. Um, but he says several things. He says, For I am a stranger with you, um, a sojourner as my fathers were. And I think this, this is key for a couple of reasons. He says, I'm a stranger with you. He didn't say, I'm a stranger from you. He said, I'm a stranger with you. So David realized this world's just a shadow. He's just a sojourner here. But he realizes he's a stranger and a sojourner with God. He's not alone. And that's going to bring him some comfort. And, and think about uh, a sojourner. What is a sojourner? A traveler? Are you in a place that's not your home if you're sojourning somewhere? You're a stranger there? Uh, if somebody's a stranger, just say, uh, I went to New York City. And I'm walking around New York City and I'm talking to individuals. Do you think those individuals will know I'm not from New York City? Huh? You think talking to them would give it away? You think it would? Uh, I can remember sitting, when I was 14 years old, sitting in a barber shop in El Paso, Texas. And uh, my aunt, I was staying out there with my cousin uh, for the summer, and uh, uh, went to get a haircut, and sitting in the barber shop, and three people in there said, so you're from Tennessee. I was sitting in the barber chair, and all I did, was, all I was doing was talking. And I'm like, and it just amazed me that they would even know that. And I started to ask them, how did you know that? Did somebody tell you? Did somebody? And they st kept laughing the more I start, kept talking, and then I realized what it was. <laughs> I didn't talk the same. So you think... So I would stand out if I'm in New York City, right? Uh, I mean, I think there, there, there would be a little difference there. So if we're sojourners here, okay, we're supposed to be strangers here on this earth, shouldn't people tell that? Shouldn't they be able to tell that by the way that we talk, way that we act, way that we dress? Shouldn't they be able to tell we're not here, this is not our home? You know, I... I I've thought about this, especially at the end of here where David says, I'm a, I'm, a soldier, I'm a stranger with you, God, a sojourner just like my father's. Remember, Abraham said that he was a sojourner. Uh, you start thinking, a sojourner is that stranger. We're, we're, not of this, we're not of this world. And we should be able, people should be able to recognize that we're not. And that's what David is saying here. He said, I, I'm just a sojourner. I, I want to be different because if he if he started mouthing off, he'd just been like everybody else, wouldn't he? See, he's, he's got to act different. He's got to be different because he is different. He, he's just a sojourner. He's not from here. Then he says, remove your gaze from me that I may regain my strength before I go away and am no more. David said, I've, I've about had all that I can take, God. You know, I, I, I'm at the point of, you know, you need to remove your gaze so I can gain my strength before I go away and I'm no more, before I'm gone. You know, I, I, he's counting on his mercy. He's counting on his grace. He's counting on God to, to uh, help him here. You know, and David's done that different times. You know, when he, when he counted the people, when he did the census and wasn't supposed to, he had the choice of what to do. He wanted to leave it in God's hands because he knew God could be merciful. Even though God was going to chastise, God was going to rebuke, and God did, he knew that God would be merciful if he would just follow him and just leave it up to God and say, okay, yeah, I did wrong. God, you do what you need to do. 
And here, he's wanting God to do what he needs to do, but he says, I don't know how much of this now I can take. You know, if you'll just remove your gaze from me, then maybe, you know, let me regain my strength before I'm no more. Uh, so David doesn't, I mean, he doesn't end this in a real good place here like he normally does of, of necessarily praising God. How do I do it? I think David's talking about before he dies, I think. I think he's saying here, because that's a reference, the same kind of reference, I believe Job made that reference at one time. A place of darkness of return there, he said. I believe that's how Job worded it. You know, we David's in a dark place here. He's in a pretty weak, this is a weak time for him, I believe, here. But I, I notice he, he appeals to the Lord, you know, Yahweh here, the covenant God of Israel. David is, is, is appealing to, to him directly and, and saying, okay, I, I realize I'm having your heavy hand on me. And that's a pretty heavy hand. You know, just, just turn your gaze away from me. Let, let me just regain my strength here. So David recognized he's not complaining and saying, I don't deserve it. Quit doing it. He knows he's deserve it. He's just trying to get through it. And he's trying to get through it the very best that he can without venting it out to the world and not bringing glory to God while it's happening. And I, I think that's very commendable. And that's, that's something I think we all ought to look at. Okay. Thank you for listening. I believe they're starting to come in.